today we are beginning a new four-week series entitled Devoted. Somebody say, Devoted. Now, throughout this series, we're going to look into the lives and the routines of the early church as seen in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. So before I get too far, does everyone have a Bible? If not, just raise your hand and we will make sure you get one of the house Bibles to follow along. Leah, would you mind giving him one of the house Bibles? There's some up front and there are some up back. Thank you for stepping in the gap. Now, as you may know, the early church understood something about gathering together that churches and communities of faith have been modeling for hundreds of years. And I would argue that the secret to their success came down to one thing, and that is the title of this series, Devotion. Now the word devotion or devoted is a powerful one. And it means to consistently show strength which prevails in spite of difficulties, to endure, to persist, to stay in a fixed direction, steadfast and loyal. Now the early church was unwaveringly devoted in their commitment to gathering together. In Acts chapter 2, which if you're turning there to get ready, is where I'm going to be reading from. Looks like we already have that up on the slide. Another thing, just so that you know, in the left corner, it will show you the page number that you can find the scripture in the house Bible if you are using the Holy Bible that is from this house. And so as we look at Acts 2.42, it highlights four specific things that they did when they got together. So if you're there, Acts chapter 2, verse 42, I'm reading out of the King James Version, and it reads, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. So in this passage, we learn how the earliest church was devoted and committed to teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. And I think, Pastor, if you go to the next slide, it'll just be a resting slide. Yep, after every scripture, you can just move to the next slide. And these are the four specific elements that continue to be key pieces of church services to this very day. So today we're going to talk about teaching. Somebody say teaching. Now, as a quick note of comparison, I want you to think about something today that you are absolutely committed to doing every day in your life. Think about that. Maybe even not every day, but maybe every week. 
are you devoted to a certain fitness regimen? Devoted to having your smoothie every morning or devoted to having your morning walk or devoted to watching an episode of Monk every night? What is it that you are devoted to? Some of us, we are devoted to our sports. I remember when my daughter used to be in travel volleyball, that required a great deal of devotion. We would get up sometimes, or let's just be truthful, she would get up sometimes, 5 a.m. in the morning, just to be at one of those games somewhere far from Akron, Ohio. But it was her devotion. Somebody say devotion. Something that has become such a deeply ingrained habit that it's simply become a part of who you are. You see, the things that we are devoted to all define who we are. And the church that formed just after the death and the resurrection of Christ was absolutely devoted to their faith. In fact, their faith has defined them for centuries as we constantly look to their example for inspiration and instruction. And as we mentioned, Acts 2.42 highlights several things the church was specifically devoted to, something they did whenever they gathered together. And so those four things for our note takers, for those of you who are joining us this morning on YouTube and Facebook, if you want to put these things in the chat, these four things were teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, otherwise known as communion, and prayer. And each week throughout this series, we're going to look at one specific area of devotion that the Acts Church was committed to. So as I mentioned today, we begin our exploration with teaching, something I'm absolutely excited to talk about on this morning. Now the specific gift of teaching is found throughout the New Testament. So if you want to start going ahead, I'm heading to Ephesians chapter 4. At the beginning of Jesus's ministry, we learn from the Gospel of Matthew that he went through Galilee teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. We learned that out of Matthew 4.23. And so teaching was a key component of Jesus' ministry. And then later in the book of Ephesians, Paul includes teachers as gifts given by God for the equipping of the church. In Ephesians 4.11 reads, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity 
of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So we see that teachers are an integral part of the body of Christ. They help lead us to unity, maturity, and fullness of faith. And so our goal through teaching and training is nothing short of the fullness of Christ. Some of you may remember uh, last week I had shared a faux pas and when I was teaching in my earlier years and I accidentally said Daniel when I met David and how it ate me up that whole afternoon and you can see now why because when you are called and assigned to teach there's a certain amount of responsibility that comes along with that because of what you see the Lord is laying out as the role teaching plays in the church. So now my question is, how many of you enjoy learning? I see, all right, young man, you're on the right path. You know, I remember as a child about your age, I enjoyed learning so much, don't laugh at me. I used to ask the teacher for extra papers to take home. And I would work on it, and my friends were like, really? Are you really doing extra work? I really have always enjoyed learning. And the reward of good teaching is learning. And learning the scriptures together with each other as believers was something the early church was absolutely devoted to. Now, learning takes time. It can be difficult. Learning requires your effort, your engagement, your attention. The reward, however, is deeper understanding and knowledge. And I'm not sure I know any follower of Christ who would say they don't want a deeper and more intimate relationship with their father. And so that's what we are after, is nothing short of the fullness of Christ. So as a point of reference, Jesus said very plainly in the Great Commission even, that we are to, now you remember when he says go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Ghost, but what we often forget is he then says, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. That's Matthew chapter 28 verses 18 and 20. And so we teach all of what Christ taught, the fullness of his training, and our goal at the end of the day are disciples equipped to teach others the fullness of the gospel as well. And so we're going to talk for a moment about passing along the teaching. I think Paul says it best when he says in his second letter to the younger pastor, Timothy, and the things you have heard me say 
in the presence of many witnesses and trust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. That's 2 Timothy 2.2. And what we're saying is if we don't pass along our faith through reliable and sound teaching, then it would only be a few generations before the faith expires. It's a sober thought, but it's a reality that if you aren't willing to teach, to train, and to share the fullness of your faith, then we fail our next generation. It's really impactful because I got a chance to witness that last week. I was at a international convention for my sorority and I was really touched by the reality that once upon a time there was just a handful of people just like the disciples but now there are hundreds and thousands of us because we've been taught and we've been trained and we've been encouraged and we've been equipped and we still carry on the work that our founders had. And as I began to think about that in terms of the body of Christ, think about how just with 12 disciples, the word continued to spread all over the earth. And now we still have, we have been entrusted with the responsibility to tell our children, our children's children, our neighbors, our friends, and everyone else we have an opportunity to share with about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the good news, and this is the part I really want you to catch, you don't have to be an ordained pastor. You don't have to have gone to seminary or, or become a missionary or a deacon. You just have to be willing. Anybody willing to tell somebody about Jesus? Amen. Think for a moment. I think for a moment about the people who shared Jesus with me. Because here's the thing I want us to remember. When we think about that as the pastor's job or the preacher's job, what we forget is that oftentimes people have not even stepped foot in a church yet. So how are they going to hear it from a pastor or a preacher or a teacher? And they haven't even yet made a decision to come to church. Their first preacher, their first teacher is guess who? You. As you share the gospel with them in a very real and a very tangible and a very relatable way. That is when they have the insight to want to learn more and to want to go deeper. So who has God brought into your sphere of influence? Where do you work? Or where do you hang out? Where do you go to church? Where do you buy your coffee? Who can you share Christ with on this coming week? I remember before I was in full-time ministry, I used to have what I called a marketplace ministry. And I enjoyed the fact that in my market and in my business, God would give me opportunities to share Christ. And I think that's something that we have to think about. And we have to remember, we don't need to stress about having all the answers to all the questions. I know when I first began evangelizing, that was a big fear for me. It's like, what if they ask me a question and I don't know the answer to it? 
And guess what I discovered? I don't know is a perfectly legitimate answer. And let's explore together is a great follow-up question. People are very receptive to that. You know what, I don't, I don't know, I've never thought about that. Let's look and see if we can find the answer to that together. Now back then that meant I had to flip to the concordance, but today we have Google. <laughs> that will help us quickly find the answers. But my point is, don't let anything intimidate you from sharing your faith. I often think with my legal background, I think sometimes of witness intimidation where someone's called to testify and you know how they, they, my husband always says it to the kids, you know, snitches get stitches. And you know, so they, they intimidate them not to testify because they, you know, snitches get stitches. Well, we need to have a certain boldness that we're not afraid to testify and to share with those who God puts in our sphere of influence about what he's done for us. And I figured and learned at some point that's the greatest evangelism that I can ever do. Sometimes it doesn't require for you to be able to quote scripture to them backwards and forwards, but just letting them know that God still answers prayer and that he is working in your life in whatever way he is touching you, teaching you, moving in you, and sharing that begins to bless someone in ways that we may not fully recognize at the time. And so every word of the Bible is God-breathed and God-ordained. It all matters. So then my last point would be fully capable. If you aren't sure where to start with your learning or you aren't sure if you can actually teach others profound truths of the Bible, let me say again, the fullness of Christ is well equipped for the fullness of life. I'm going to repeat that for my note takers. The fullness of Christ is well equipped for the fullness of life. Later in 2 Timothy, Paul says, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. That's from 2 Timothy 3.16. And it's good to remember that because all scripture is useful. And with that in mind, I say that you just need to start somewhere. Somewhere. Because I remember when I first gave my life to Christ, you'd ask one person, they'd say, oh, you got to start in the Old Testament. Got to start at the beginning. And then you ask the next person, they say, oh, you got to start in the New Testament. You got to start in the Gospels, right? And then you ask someone else, they say, oh, you got to start in the Proverbs and in the, in the Psalms. I say to you this morning, start somewhere. Amen? If you want to learn more, start somewhere. Get a great devotional. 
Sign up, you know, we have apps and all these cool things now. And you can go into your Bible apps and they often have little devotionals that will be a five-day devotional or a seven-day devotional. Or if you want to go deeper, a 30-day devotional. But start somewhere. And if you want to be better at sharing your faith, then start with the Gospels. Learn the good news of Christ for yourself so that you can teach and train others. But above all, be patient and be kind. Have grace and mercy for yourselves and others through the process. Think for a moment about your favorite teachers. What qualities really resonated with you? Are you thinking about that now? Some of you are still in school. Think about your favorite teachers, some of my college students, some of my elementary and high school students. I know I remember my favorite teacher in, in law school, and it was interesting because she was the one that everybody said, pray you don't get her. Pray you don't get Katie Mercer. And she was the raw instructor, which stood for research and writing. And they all thought you should get the other teacher because the other teacher was easier. Well, as luck should have it, I got Katie Mercer. And I scratched my head thinking, why would anybody want to avoid the teacher that is teaching you exactly what you need to know so that when you go into real life, you're ready to get started? Why are we always looking for the easy way out? It's easy now, but I bet you it wasn't easy for them when they got into their law practices and they were scratching their heads because they didn't know what to do because they coasted through. But I loved that teacher because I appreciated that it was tougher, but it was preparing me for what I needed to know. We all have great teachers at some point in our lives. And as believers, it's important to remember we have the greatest example anyone could ever ask for. No, I know you're thinking of me, but I'm talking about Jesus. The greatest teacher that we could ever ask for, we have in him. He is fully capable, fully loving, and he alone is able to fully redeem even the worst of us sinners. When you're feeling discouraged or incapable or unworthy or alone or just flat out incapable and ill-equipped, just stop for a moment and remember you are able in Christ. In fact, in fact, the Apostle Paul says it this way in Philippians 4.13, all things are possible through him who gives me strength. All things are possible. And I don't know what it is that you need to do this week, but whatever it is, it is possible with Christ. I had um, started a three-day fast, and I hadn't fasted in a while, um, and when I did, I was just thinking to myself, oh, this is going to be tough. And I was going out to eat with my family, and they were eating, and I was sitting here just having this broth. And before I started the fast, I put it on my page. I said, you know what? I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And I felt that 
when I pull on that strength, you know, there are things that I probably would not be able to do in my own strength, but when I am reminded that I'm not in this alone and that anything that I endeavor to do that's going to bring him glory, that he will come along my side and he will supernaturally empower me and give me the strength. And when I tell you, you know, people applauded me and they thought, wow, you have such great willpower. I can't believe you sat there with everybody and you didn't eat and you didn't, and I had zero desire to do so. Now there's something else that you are striving to do. Maybe it's this exam that you keep taking and just have the worst time passing it. Maybe it's a business that you keep thinking about getting started and each time there's some type of obstacle that you can't seem to get around. Maybe you're looking for a new job or a new career path and you just feel like I don't even know where to start. No matter what you are thinking about doing or endeavoring to do, I want to encourage you this morning to tap on the strength that comes through Jesus Christ. And may we be fully devoted to the one who is fully capable in each and every situation. And when we're feeling weak, let us remember, as we talked about in the weeks prior, that his grace is sufficient for every situation and circumstance that life may bring our way. That's why I think I enjoyed learning so much because it's sort of like when you begin to dissect the word of God, you begin to understand your inheritance. I don't know about you, but I would hate to be in a situation where a loved one passed and I was not at the reading of the will and I didn't know that they had left things to me. You know how you guys do those searches? like Ohio search to see like if there's some type of like windfall that you don't know about and it happens you know sometimes an account closes or sometimes there's like money left to you and you don't know that you have it and there are professional companies that will like look to find but my thing was we have so much that we receive as believers as children of God and oftentimes, until we begin to study and learn the scripture, we don't even know what we're entitled to. You mean I can have peace? You mean I don't have to struggle with this anxiety and this depression? You mean I can have joy? You mean I don't have to go through life somber and serious all the time? You mean I can have abundant life, not only eternally, but here on this earth as well? so much that as we begin to study the scripture it unlocks for us how to live an abundant life and so I get excited about that I get excited about learning more about my father learning more about what he left for me what he intended for me to have and how those me walking in that brings him glory so I think that if we fully devote as the early church did to our faith. And as we continue the series together in the coming weeks, I want us to ask this question. What are you devoted to? Now we threw out a couple of random examples this morning and maybe none of those really connected for you, but what are you devoted to? What things capture your attention and your affection? What are you putting your energy into every day? 
Now, if you asked yourself those questions and you find yourself thinking about all kinds of things other than faith, now might be a good time to include that into the priorities. I'm a firm believer that shouldn't be your only priority. The Bible says you don't want to be so heavenly bound that you know what? Earthly good. I remember the first time I went to a women's retreat, I was a little nervous about it because it was no electronics and I was just trying to envision what was this going to be like. We were going in a convent and I was trying to envision in my mind like, is this going to be fun? I mean, I'm going to be in a convent with no electronics and we're just going to sing hymns and read the Bible all day? Is that fun? But by the time that I left, I actually was at a point where I think they had to put me out. I did not want to leave. I had not known until that moment just how amazing it was to just bask in his presence, to just spend time with him uninterrupted. But when they kicked me out, they said, you got to go now and take this, what God has filled you up with, and take it out into the world. You can't stay here. We can't stay here. We come here, we get refilled, we get rejuvenated, we get replenished, but then we leave. And it's great that we have all these other commitments and all these other priorities because these are places where we get to go and share the love of God. And I don't mean in a real Bible thumping way where you're just walking up to everybody and hitting them in the head with the Bible. I mean in a real, you just radiate joy and you just handle things in a way that just lets people know, now wait a minute, what did you take this morning? Nothing. And they begin to, over time, and in relationship with you, recognize that there is something a little different about you. And it's simply that you love the Lord and you have an opportunity to share that with them as well. Very relational evangelism lifestyle evangelism I'm talking about to you this morning. So have no shame, have no condemnation, just a willingness to acknowledge your focus and give some of that to the Lord. And if that's true for you this morning, one of the most powerful teachings in the New Testament is the prodigal son who strays away from home but eventually returns. I'm sure you remember his father literally runs to him as he's coming home. So if you're watching this morning, or even if you're here this morning, and you feel like, whoa, I'm so far away from where I want to be, where I used to be, where I desire to be, then you're in good company. And I want you to remember that your father is eagerly awaiting your return as well. So step out on faith this week. Refocus your attention and affection back onto Christ and find some good biblical teaching to listen to along the way. It will, it will strengthen you. It will encourage you for your journey. And after all, that's what we're seeking to continue on our journey with Christ. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for how you met us this morning. Father, I thank you for the ways in which you've seen how we devoted our lives to so many things. But God, I thank you that you're helping to recenter us 
and recenter our focus back on you, even as our minister led us and worship this morning, putting you back at the center, making you the center of it all, remembering that with you we can do all things and without you we can do nothing. And so God, help us to really just begin to be in alignment. Help us, Father God, to begin to get our priorities in order. And help us, Lord, that as we go through this week, if there are opportunities that you give us to just share your goodness and your grace and your mercy, help us, oh God, that we will be bold in our faith and that we will share you with someone else. These and all blessings we ask in your holy and your sacred name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.